Okay, so who we got on the phone here today? So you got Axel from the Mom Riders on the phone today. Cool, hold on a second. Do you know Chicken Letter? Absolutely, I hope he knows me. Yeah, here. You want to talk to him? He wants to tell us about, yeah. Hello, Active. How's it going? Hello, DJ Chicken Leather. It's going great. How about you? Oh, it's going okay. I'm having one of those mornings, you know? I, I came up and I, I got clipped by a car. And, uh, oh, really? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. It's just that you, you tell yourself, okay, you get back on the bike, and then about three hours later you realize, oh, yeah, that must have been what happened. Oh, jeez, so, man. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling all right. It was... It was more like the road conditions, I think, than the car that whacked me. So, it's it's going to be rainy out there. So I suggest everybody, and I'm saying this without a helmet, but everybody, you know, try to remember the the conditions of the road out there. Hey, what's going on, active? Not much, man. Just you know, waking and baking. You know, reeling in the good feeling from the ride with no name last night. We were able to raise 135 bucks for the All City Toy Ride. Awesome, and, and uh, it's funny you should mention that because I've got some uh, tape from last week's Midnight Riders where we were talking about that, too. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, you know, we uh, we just you know hopped on that microphone and, you know, started challenging people to, to donate with uh, Harry and myself. You know, we're trying to secure the location and get that box truck rentals, you know, to haul away all those toys. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do it all on bikes, right? Absolutely. Well, we we could, but it might be raining, so we should have those toys covered. Okay, well, for those people that don't know, tell us a bit about uh, uh, the toy ride. Maybe you remember it from last year. Oh, I never remember anything, but I'll do my best. <laughs> you know, uh, the All-City Toy Ride, dude, it's been an annual event with the Midnight Riders and all the other smaller bike groups. You know, we uh, ride around Thanksgiving, you know, prior to it, we start fundraising and getting the word out that, you know, that it's coming up. And every year we choose an organization to give out these toys to. Um, I'm not, I don't remember off the bat who we're donating all these toys to this year, but last year it was a great turnout. I mean, it, uh, the year before that, it was really huge considering it was pouring. And hopefully this year we'll, you know, we'll have some clear skies and we'll be able to have a really great time. We're, we're trying to secure a location for an after party and trying, like I said, we're trying to get that box truck going on. All right, well, you've got to listen to Bike Talk because I think I have some news about that. Oh, I will. I will. All right. Hey, uh, uh, but one of, the, one of the things we want to talk to you about now that we got you on the phone is uh, you also do another program out there that we uh, hear about, but it's, it's um, I, I don't want to say it's overtly sad, but it kind of is, uh, well, maybe you can tell me a little bit about it. That's the ghost bike uh, things that you've been doing in Los Angeles. And um, we're just going to touch on this. Um, but uh, we can go into as much detail as you like. So, first of all, what what is a ghost bike? Well, a ghost bike uh, has has been uh, brought to everybody's attention lately as a memorial to the death of a cyclist, you know, on the road. Whether you know they were struck by a car, you know, unfortunately, maybe a wipeout. We had a gentleman, I believe, in Orange County. He was you know smashing down a hill and he lost control of his bike and. Unfortunately, he lost his life. Somebody was able to to memorialize him with the ghost bike down there. Up in L.A., I've uh, I've been trying to do what I can for those that have been unfortunately struck by automobiles, either whether it be road rates like the incident we had in downtown L.A. by by the 110 freeway off of 8th Street, or whether it's you know uh, 
uh, a messed up situation like a hit and run like we had in South Pasadena. Fortunately, uh, that gentleman was caught. And sometimes we have, you know, unfortunate accidents, as some people like to call it, like we had in uh, in West Pasadena by, by Old Town. You know, uh, I know a lot of people will know the name Alan Dean. You know, he was uh, an unfortunate victim of a... Uh, of an accident, and, you know, there's a ghost bike right next to the Ralph's. I, I I understand it was there as of about two weeks ago. I don't know if it's still there. And, you know, it's, it's just it's just a way to to bring attention to what's going on out there. You know, there's everybody notices there's people riding their bikes all happily and merrily, but not many people know that people are losing their lives on their bikes, too. And by tying up a ghost bike, uh, you know, on a telephone pole or something, it it raises awareness and it also memorializes and it's weird because I was I was brought up believing that we tie up these ghost bikes you know in the middle of the night nobody's around and you know it's all under anonymity and then in the morning people notice that somebody has erected a bike there but I've I've done uh, I've, I've done quite a number this year where somehow you know I'm in the planning stages of asking you know for help who wants to come help me build the bike and stuff like that and. I get calls from friends and families of the victim wanting to participate, and they've turned out to be some pretty uh, pretty huge memorial services at the, at the time we go tie them up. Anywhere from 20 to 50 people, even more, have shown up. Friends and family have uh, eulogized the, you know, the victims, the, the, the downriders, and it, you know, it brings a sense of closure not only to the family and cycling community, but also to the neighborhood around them, because the businesses and the and the residents of these areas, they'll wake up to uh, an ambulance or a coroner's van or police tape, and they get worried. They don't know what's happened, or once they realize what happened, they don't know what to think. You know, geez, somebody just passed away in front of my apartment building or something. And, you know, I, I think it's a way to bring closure to everybody that gets affected by it one way or another. Yeah, and... Uh... I'm I'm remembering something. It's like last week there was a, a California summit, and they were asking everybody if they had a, a, a dream wish or something. And one of the dream wishes was uh, uh, maybe uh, zero pedestrian or and or slash cyclist deaths out there. And and while we haven't even reached close to that number, um, at least we're seeing people out there dream about it and wish for it and and things of that sort. Um, it also, I, I would argue, brings some sort of uh, visibility to the fact that if you have a, uh, a hinky or a, a dangerous intersection that uh, you, you might uh, wake drivers up, not just cyclists, but uh, some of the people behind the wheel to the fact that, hey, somebody died here, you might want to, uh, uh, because of road conditions like I mentioned earlier or something else, uh, be able to uh, um, notice this and, and take action over it. Well, and I think sometimes, you know, there's there's circumstances at intersections, you know, whether it be sun glare or faulty lighting or whatever that may attribute to these accidents. But a lot of times I do believe it's just human error. These people, you know, they they may have been drinking and are too inebriated to be driving and, you know, somehow they end up colliding with a cyclist or in the case we had in uh with the K Town ride, with the Kushtown ride back in June we had a lady that had a had a trifecta of things against her. She was, you know, uh, in Culver City coming off of, I think, Rodeo and Jefferson. Not only has she been drinking, she's texting, and she's speeding along a, along a curve, and she plowed into, like, 60 cyclists. 
thank God nobody was killed this time. You know, we had 12 people, you know, critically injured and hospitalized. But, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes it's not really the road itself that causes these accidents. It's the drivers. They're, they they just don't care about the well-being of others, whether they're pedestrians, motorists, or cyclists. Yeah, it's... it's um it's it's a shame because uh, something like that can be avoided. I, I don't know about you, but I always think that, you know, I'm sort of conditioned to, to answer the phone right away. But I, we keep forgetting there's a great thing called a message machine that's built into all these cell phones. Let the message machine pick up, you know. And, and it's like if you don't get that call in five seconds, is it really going to matter? I mean, come on, uh, especially if somebody's life is uh, at, at stake. And you and I, I want to bring that up. It's it's not just that, but it's also people doing other things, not necessarily illegal. But you may want to think twice about chomping down on food while you're trying to to do the thing. I call them people from Vegas now because they're like one arm bandits. If one arm is on the wheel, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, you know, there's different things that that distract you know distract these drivers, whether it's a uh, you know, it's somebody putting on their makeup, running late to work, or even shaving, or like you said, you know, trying to scarf down that, you know, bagel on the way to the office, you know. People just need to focus on, on what they're doing. Just yesterday, I'm I'm driving, uh, I'm, you know, I'm coming back from Anaheim Hills, you know, handling some business, and I'm on the freeway, and, I, and I'm watching this guy texting. You know, it's slow-moving traffic, you know, bummer-to-bummer traffic, as they say on NPR, and... I'm seeing this guy getting closer and closer to a car, and I kid you not, I started the countdown. I started at 6, 5, all the way down to 0. Once I hit 0, the dude slammed into the car in front of him. You know, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, this guy swears he's paying attention, but, you know, he just caused an accident during rush hour. You know, that could have been somebody's kid walking home from school or something. Yeah, well, uh, the one thing I like to argue, too, and this is something that keeps coming up, is... uh, and we compare our, our fair city to those of the advanced ones like Copenhagen. Um, they're, they're always talking about maybe is it always the driver's fault? And without question, even even if the bike rider is doing something, if you take that consideration that the car is 3,000 pounds and you're on a bike or maybe a fraction of that, um, you have to look at it. It's not even a fair fight in that sense. Well, you know what? In all fairness, you know, I know I'm a cyclist, but I, you know, I'm also a motorist, you know, because I, you know, that's what I do for a living. And the thing is, you know, it's it's not always the motorist fault. Like I've, like I've been, you know, quick to point the finger this morning. But sometimes, you know, we do have cyclists that'll just start out of driveways, you know, or cut a corner all quick into traffic, you know, against the red light. And I'm not gonna lie, I've been guilty of, you know, starting into traffic because I'm rushing and. I, you know, I've been a bit careless, and, you know, I've, luckily I've been okay. But, you know, there are times where there's people that are not paying attention, and the combination of a distracted driver and a careless cyclist, you know, can be catastrophic. You know, I, I, so many times I see this, you know, you know, cyclists running their red lights, cars running their red lights, people starting, driving into traffic or cycling into traffic. It's just, you know, it's just a matter of time until these things happen. But I mean, if we have these nice bike lanes with the with the K rail along and like a buffer zone, you know, I think that would make one hell of a difference. Uh, it, it was funny because, uh, and I, I'm going to relate to you a, a little bit of a story. When, when we talk about all this infrastructure for bicyclists, I, I'm wondering. You you just mentioned that you were also uh, 
you make your living driving. If you become a better uh, uh, driver uh, with the advent of you cycling a lot more? Actually, definitely. I mean, every time I'm pulling out of a driveway, I'm pulling into a driveway. Anytime I'm going to make a turn, I, you know, it's almost like an OCD. I got to track my left side twice or more, or, you know, and I want to make sure because, you know, a, a kid smashing on his on his bike, you know, 20, 25 miles an hour could appear out of nowhere. Well, you know, and I could have already checked that side. So I know I'm double checking, triple checking, you know. I'm always making sure if, if I'm changing lanes or, or about to make a right turn that, that's, that there's nobody in the in the bike lane. And, you know, it's just more aware. I mean, I'm I'm thankful I haven't I haven't had any incidents where I've been struck by a by a vehicle in over a year. It's actually been about almost eighteen months now. Are, are so, you knocking on wood? I'm knocking on wood right now. There you go. Thank you for reminding me. But yeah, but you know, no, it's not it's not just about luck or anything. There's there's certain things you can do. I, the, the argument is that it's education not only for us but education for the driver. And I, I'm I'm wondering if. Um, I mean, I, I as a bicyclist, I, I'm the first one, or cyclist, uh, I'm the first one to tell you that uh, I, I am willing to take a chance if it comes down to my life. I mean, I, I will, without a doubt, break the law if it's a life or death situation. And, and people, look at me, people look at me like, is, is that really something to do? I'm saying, yeah. If it's the difference between me getting in front of a line once or, or twice a second out, and somebody would go, oh, my God, you're breaking the law. But I, I'm looking at it as another out. I mean, that one foot might be the difference between, uh, you know, I, I, we see all these signs, three feet, give them three feet. I'm happy if it's, if it's one foot or six inches sometimes uh, coming down these streets because that's, that's the difference of sometimes between um, me getting, um, let's just say, feeling uh, the road today or, 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 or getting to uh, – getting to uh, the studio safer I'm, I'm willing to do that and um, you know I, I might be at the um, the bane of some drivers who say oh my god look what he's doing but uh, well, these, these well, are I things mean, where education would be better I mean a lot of people don't know that you can share the road I mean we have access to that whole road there they're always telling absolutely. me to ride the sidewalk or something and that's the key word you keep saying education you know you, you know we have to educate you know, not just two sides of the spectrum, but all sides, you know, because I um, I remember an incident where we were in the valley on, on the Monday night rehab, right? And, you know, we had just had about two weeks of, of torrential downpours, and the debris field on the right of the road was, you know, very dangerous and hazardous that we, you know, we took up, you know, the first right lane, and we got pulled over by the LAPD, and... You know, I had to argue our way that, you know, it was in our in our best interest to ride in the lane instead of, you know, through the hazardous debris. And the law allows that. And even that cop was in a position where, you know, he, he didn't know how to argue his side of it. And, you know, we always have to, you know, be cautious out there because, not you know, people get, a, you know, get mad when cyclists are a little bit too much into the traffic lane, but they don't realize that. Not only are we trying to, you know, avoid potholes, just like they are. I mean, how many cars do you see swerve because they don't want to hit a pothole? And they're, you know, and they're, you know, they're driving really wide, thick tires with solid rims. You know, what the hell is going to happen to that car? We're driving on, you know, 36-spoke rims, you know, which could easily just bend on us and flip us over. You know, on top of that, we have to avoid mirrors and doors. And if you have delivery trucks, you have, you have those mirrors that extend out quite a bit. You know, it's just uh, 
you know, a long list of, of obstructions that bicyclists have to deal with. And sometimes it might inconvenience the car because we're taking up the lane, but they just need to be more educated on why we're doing it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't agree with you uh, more than than uh, how how you put it there. I'm, I'm, um, it's it's a, a topic that's come up at a, at a number of things, including the as I mentioned earlier, the bike uh, summit that they did last week here in L.A., where they they talked a lot, not not just about. Uh, uh, road safety on the roads, but for bicyclists. But they also talked about, as I said, education. But uh, it it sort of was also um, getting out there and doing something about road conditions that improves it for everyone. And you mentioned potholes. I'm, I'm everybody knows me on rides. I always yell out if there's debris or if it's safe or something. But it it comes second nature because I had a good friend of mine, uh, sexy, used to do the same thing. But he was always carrying a trailer or something with him and i'm always going you know one good pothole will just send you sideways in in koreatown so uh I, i'm sure it sends you sideways anywhere else but it always seems like koreatown is is the last place that they pave here in la you know what i mean you're probably right man i i hate driving down like wilshire or third street through there man it's it's you know the conditions are horrible yeah, and I don't think it's out of any neglect. It's just that there's so much infrastructure that gets done under the auspices of like, oh, we're improving the neighborhood, but we're going to leave this ditch in front of your house open for the next six weeks or a month. Oh, we forgot about it. It's now two years now. And and it's funny because, you know, I know that there's, there's budget cuts and everything else, but I, I'm wondering if, you know, I, I got to argue if this was somewhere else, it would have been done in two weeks, but... Anyway, without me griping or anything. Well, absolutely, you're right. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't see road, you know, construction road signs in Beverly Hills last more than a week or so. No, but they they've got money. I mean, I, I don't want to compare L.A. to Beverly Hills at any point. <laughs> but but I, I you know I would argue too because um, we we've had different people on here argue about like there's no unifying plan for any of the municipalities with the city. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if? Santa Monica and Beverly Hills got together and said, "You know, we're gonna we're gonna build a bike path regardless if LA City does, and we want to we want to join with our, our brothers to the south to the to the north, and, and make it safer for everybody." Can you imagine what would happen if they all got together and said, "Hey, we want to be like Long Beach," or "Hey, we want to be like Davis"? I mean, my God! Oh man, they 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 would get recalled in an instant. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's you know, there's no room for that, and that's really sad. It's it's almost like. Uh, I'm not going to be able to park my Rolls Royce in the bike lane anymore. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't ever come down to that because if you have a Rolls Royce, you probably have a, a garage that you can put it into. You'd never put it on the street. That's the one Ab thing when... Absolutely not. Not when I'm going down to Muffy's house for, you know, brunch or something, you know? Well, I'm not going to get to a, an argument with the haves <laughs> or have-nots with the Occupy, but there is something we're going to ask, and, and I, I noticed it again at, at the... The Occupy on Thursday when they were trying to uh, have a day of action that there were a tremendous amount of police and the reason I bring it up is next week is critical mass but uh, I haven't been to a few of them only because the critical mass has become almost a police mass and, and the reason I'm putting this to you is you you've had some talks where they've come to you and said hey uh, you're a representative of the bike community and the police have actually uh, liaisoned with you can you tell us a bit about that relationship active Oh well, see that's that's just a trip, man. I mean, I don't know how it just happened. You know, I've, you know, it's 
it's ironic, you know, because I'm one of the biggest potheads, and, you know, and I like to drink, and when I drink, I drink, and I, anybody that knows me would attest to that. All of a sudden, you know, I, for some reason, since I was a kid, I've always had a great rapport with, you know, authority figures, either to manipulate it to get in my way or just to genuinely get along with them, you know? And yeah. they just they just approached me last year, and they, you know, uh, there was too many incidents going on with critical mass where... We were causing, you know, really bad uh, traffic nightmares, and with with the exception of just us flowing through there, there was a lot of incidents of people riding against traffic, you know, swerving in and out, you know, acting very recklessly, and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to make themselves look better because uh, I believe it was May 2010 when when uh, that. YouTube video surfaced of an LAPD officer kicking cyclists off of, off of their bikes in Hollywood. They got a bad rap, you know, they went under review, and, you know, that, that following month, you know, June and July, they they wanted to show up and either assert their, their alpha male role in the society and be like, hey, you know what, we're cops, or, you know, you're going to do what we say, and they wanted to infiltrate or just take over our, our mass. And, I, you know, I really tried, you know, very, you know, very much to work with them, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to dismiss all the, all the great work that's been going on. You know, uh, the bike community has pulled together. Critical mass, you know, it's, it's growing and growing every month. You know, the, the leadership on this ride is, is outstanding. You know, they have a, a nice volunteer corps that'll just pull over and you know, help you fix your chain or your tires and stuff. You know, di- you know, different, you know, uh bike shops like the Flying Pigeon have been donating tubes and, and patch kits, you know, to help the movement go on. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, they're able not to, you know, pull into, like, supermarkets where the, and, instead of management closing the doors and, you know, having security guards block them because, oh, no, here comes the cyclist. I mean, these, you know, these supermarkets will come out with a pallet of uh, a water bottles and just start handing them out at no charge, you know. I mean, it's, you know, they're, you know, they're becoming a great, you know, community uh, forum in itself, but, you know, getting back to the LAPD, you, you know, you're right, the LAPD seems like, you know, everything's back to normal with our right as they wanted it, I guess, you know, we're not, we're, you know, we're not stir-crazy, we're not going on the other side of the lines, but yet it seems like there's still a big presence of LAPD on this right. Yeah, I, and, I wonder if it's really, and I, I would question, uh, along with uh, the occupied, it seems that LAPD there's a tremendous outlay, not only of resources and, and people and stuff, but just just the carbon footprint. I'm, I'm seeing not just, you know, one block of cars and maybe some bike things, but it's like, is it a show of force or something? I mean, they're, totally they're chanting is. kumbaya, and, and, you know, we're part of the 99, and the police are coming out with rubber bullets and riot gear. I mean, it's, nobody... It's, 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 Nobody's... It's totally a show of force. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and it's funny, too, because I believe there's, like, about 11,000, you know, LAPD uh, officers on the force. And, it you know, they sure come out in a large presence, you know, they'll, they'll overlap their shifts in it and everything. And even then, you know, it, people don't know that in order for this city to be deemed safe, you know, uh, statistically speaking, you need, like, about thirteen off, uh, 13,000 officers on the force, you know, and... All this is just, you know, really wasting valuable resources that we don't have, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, unlike unlike other cities where, where where the cops are getting crazy and, you know, you, you basically have riots going on, L.A. has been pretty much peaceful, you know, where, where, you know, where 
you know, the occupation movement is trying to do one thing, and it looks like they've been able to coordinate in a way that there's no beef between the the politicians and the and the and the law, and it hasn't and it hasn't gotten to a point where people are being shot in the face with with mace and they're being tackled at at the age of eighty, you know. Yeah, I, I saw that. I heard about that, too. A uh, uh, black woman sidekick came up to me and said, hey, they're beating up people in New York. And I, when I heard that, it wasn't so much to get out there and protest. It was just to get out there and document it and say, you know what, I, this, this can't happen. And I, I don't care how, you know, uh, we, I even joked about it all day. I said, some of those 80-year-olds, you know, they'll get in your face, man. You know, you let them talk and they start telling you about the Depression and all these other things that you've heard a million times. I said... Yeah, maybe they deserved it. And she looked at me and said, what? What are you saying? And I said, no, no, it's a joke. Obviously, no 80-year-old deserves to get, you know, punched or slapped or anything. If, if anything, you, you tell them, look, look, miss, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, you've got to move or whatever. But you, you would never pepper spray him or push him or, or like the video or something. And please don't freaking hog tie your way over their hands behind her back. A lady at that age, you know, there's osteoporosis, there's all kinds of things going on with the skeletal system. Be a gentleman, yeah. dude. She ain't gonna kill you, you know. Just, no, no. You know, zip, zip tie her, zip tie her arms in front of her, dude, in a comfortable position. You know, you wouldn't want, you know, your mother being treated like that. Absolutely. Well, anyway, let's let's get back to cycling. I I really like to see uh, this classification. I don't I don't know who does this, but you know, there there was always a classification for. Uh, strong cyclists and everything and how they view us I, I think they really have to turn that around and say okay they're not terrorists you know what what are they they have to do well, i don't know about i don't know about that <laughs> well we like to go out on the bicycle street and, and like today it's a beautiful and day and that's and, and that's what they say we do we're terrorists because i you know they're in rush hour we're out terrorizing the traffic oh but we are traffic see there's that argument i remember Hearing that all the time, it's like, hey, you have to keep traffic moving, and you're going, you know, we're moving as as up to or faster than the traffic that's out there now. I mean, can we both share? And I think that's what it comes down to. This, well, this well, mutual there's sharing. Funny, there's that funny picture that was going around Facebook a couple of weeks ago where it said, "You're not stuck in traffic; you are traffic." Yeah, yeah, but but that's. I mean, we're preaching to the converted now. But what what I'm wondering is. Do, do you have any kind of insight to when the police are, are going to stop, like, basically bringing everyone to critical mass and maybe let it, letting it get back to critical mass instead of, you know, uh, police mass or cop mass or bike I, You know, I mean, you know, I was, you know, I was at the helm, you know, for, for a good time last year with this ride, and I got to the point where I, I honestly saw no end in sight, you know, it's just like, you know, the number of cars, the motorcycles, I mean, all that really, in my opinion, causes a bit more hazards. You know, I mean, if, if, it, if you're talking about a, a police car fully loaded and, you know, these guys will carry extra gear in their trunk and stuff like that, you're talking, you know, maybe two two tons, two, two and a half tons, you know, and then you have a freaking half-ton motorcycle to a one-ton motorcycle, you know, zipping right by you and, you know, like you said earlier, that carbon footprint they're putting, it's just, you know, it's too much. I mean, do we do we really need a helicopter hovering? <laughs> I mean, not many people know that the astronomical cost of a helicopter. Yeah. You know, and I personally, I you know, they, they've seen how mature the right has gotten, you know, 
there's, you know, there's a leadership core, you know, there's like 80 plus volunteers on this ride, and you'll see them, I think they wear like little vests or reflective something, you know, and I honestly don't know, I haven't been on Critical Mass in probably since New Year's. Ah. And, um... So I can't believe that. You mean I've been to the more Critical Mass this year than you have? That's amazing. Absolutely. I mean, I was just surprised that I went on the ride with no name yesterday. I, you know, it had been uh, quite some time since I was on a group ride. I've been doing a lot of uh, solo distance rides on my own. Uh-huh. Usually Sunday mornings before I even show up to the bike oven. Uh-huh. Well, it, um, ha- having said that, you're, that's the other thing you do. You're, you're part of the bike oven little core group there that helps to uh, uh, repair things in Los Angeles, right? Well, I I like I try to see it as I'm just occupying the bike oven. <laughs> oh no no no! It doesn't work that way. You can't sit down. We we always tell somebody they got to start helping somebody. And it, and it's funny because everybody thinks you have to know a lot about wrenching or something else. I, I look at it like something as easy as translating. Uh, my my linguist skills are restricted to really bad like Latin that I learned in Catholic school. So anybody that, can, that drivey talk too. Yeah, anybody that can can uh, chime in with, with a, a good explanation. And it's kind of funny because you kind of can guess. Uh, but uh, doing, you know, it, it gets to be almost like you're doing pantomime or something and everything. <laughs> Thro- thrown in, nonetheless, to, uh, into a world you didn't create, almost like uh, Howard the Duck. When you, when you sometimes look at a bike, you go, how did I get here? Well, and, I warn people, you know... You know, there's a lot of times where I'll be at the, at you know, at the counter, you know, just, you know, doing the clerical stuff at the bike oven, and new volunteers come in or new people come in for the first time. And, you know, and I give them the run, I let them know, you know, what we do and how how easy we operate over here and whatnot, and then I warned them. But you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I came in here for a flat tire several years ago, and I never left. Make sure you know what you're doing because this thing will just suck you in. Well, it's funny because that's how it usually starts. People want air in their tire, and then, then it's like my brakes aren't really working that well, and then it becomes like, yeah, this isn't working. So you overhauled the bike when it when it was just started out as air. But I, I think that's a common kind of thing, right? You know what? The, like you say, you know, it could be like 15 minutes right before closing time. Somebody oh, had yeah. a minor problem, and it turns into a complete overhaul. Yeah. But uh, we haven't we haven't sent them away yet. I think, like you say, it's almost like a safety issue and stuff. Hey, uh, active. What are you What are you doing this weekend? Uh, if I can ask. Well, um, I got a I got a family function this evening out in the in the nine oh nine. I'm going out to Moreno Valley. It's my niece's quinceanera, so you know the family is having a huge party for her. Uh huh. And uh, unfortunately, this this weekend, I don't think I'm going to be able to get some good mileage. They're talking about rain tomorrow morning. Oh, well, that, honestly, that doesn't scare you, does it? Don't don't you put on one of those rubber condom suits and go out oh, there and ride? See, the thing is, I don't mind getting wet. You know, I I, I find it kind of fun sometimes. You know, and I, I switch over to my hybrid so I can use my my disc brakes and really know how to stop. But I'm worried about that idiot that's texting on slick roads while right. driving a freaking a two thousand ton two thousand pound car. You know? Yeah. Well. Um, Okay, so we, we've discussed that, but I'm going to bring it around one more time to the question I sort of posed to everybody last week was, um, you know, uh, at the Bike Summit, they were asking everybody what was their one wish or something, or maybe you get three wishes, just like a genie. 
Uh, do, do you have a wish that you could hope for in Los Angeles about uh, maybe biking or cycling that would make it safer or or just some other issue? Maybe it's outlandish. Maybe you'd like to actually, see... Actually, yeah, I do. Okay. I, you know, my one wish is that I want my pedicab license so I could actually pick up some legal fares in downtown L.A. Oh, wow. That's, that's an issue that um, has has uh, kind of come up in, in uh, the vernacular, but it's not just that. It's also the uh, the taxi cab kind of uh, lobby that says, hey, these are the kind of things that are taking fares away. But I would argue, uh, a pedicab, you, you go to a slower rate, and you've got people that want to see the city, right? And a pedicab is not meant for, like, you know, cross-trial trips, you know? I'm certainly not in the mood to haul, you know, some fat-ass motherfucker on on my pedicab from downtown L.A. all the way to Venice Beach, you know. But, and, you know, it's for the person that wants to go from, like, 7th in Maine over to, like, 4th and you know, spring. Right. You know, and, and meanwhile, enjoy enjoy the views and take some pictures, you know. It's more of a tourist thing, not a transportation thing, you know. Because yeah. the, the taxi industry has nothing to worry about, you know. Cause no. For, for the most part, these guys, you know, and I'm not sure I can even speak for them because I'm not a taxi driver myself. But I know for a fact that they get upset, especially when you're at an airport. And you know how they have to you know, sit in line right there. It's, you know, first come, first serve, and you got to wait your turn till you get a fare. They hated it. They get stuck with the guy that's only going a mile away. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're, they're, they're hoping for that, you know, that $30, $40 fare plus, you know, hopefully a 5 or $10 tip. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, so... And I'm lucky because uh, during during Ciclovia, as you know, I usually ride with the mayor's entourage and and the pedicabs. And he brought it up to me, which which I thought was kind of funny. He goes, "Hey man, how come you're not out here, you know, making some money with you know with your pedicab?" And I looked him square in the eye and I go, "Mayor, you won't let me." And by you, I mean that the, the Department of Transportation they won't give us you know any permits, any licenses. And he he actually was able to call somebody on the spot from the DOT. And, um, and you know, and we had, like, an impromptu little meeting right there, and the DOT says they're, they are actively looking into this. They're, they're working on things, and the mayor said he was going to take a personal interest in making sure I got my pedicab license. So you're talking about Mayor Villaraigosa. You're not, you're not making up some sort of fantasy thing, right? Absolutely this isn't a, this not. This is a drug-induced kind of thing, right? I know, is... I know it's wake-and-bake, but, you know, the yeah. oven barely preheated, so... <laughs> move my bike. You know, and it's and, and it's a good thing. You know, the mayor the mayor's out there. You know, he's riding with us, and he's actually enjoying himself. You know, at at I, I've been to every Ciclovia event we've had in LA, and I've been with the mayor each time. And he's you know he, you know he's genuinely you know taking you know a liking to the whole thing. Yeah, I I have to say it's beyond an interest, and uh, it it seems like uh, we're on the the cutting edge of something new. I hope I I know that. Uh, the mayor of Long Beach has even put out a uh, almost like a challenge to him to, you know, bring your bring your. It's almost like a slapdown kind of a challenge. He says, "Yeah, I'll go up against you any day to improve my city." So maybe maybe uh, we have to shame people into getting safety here. See, and and, and I would hate to sound kind of callous and anything and everything, but it was it, it, unfortunately it was a it was a a good thing for the cycling community when the mayor took took that spill when he was out on that ride and that taxi driver cut him off, you know? Yeah. See, that's another thing. If it would have been a pedicab driver, he wouldn't have had to, <laughs> to brake so hard. He probably still, he wouldn't have had to, 
Never mind. Anyway, uh, well, active. It's it's been great talking to you. Um, I, that was one. Do you have another one that's uh, on the wish list? Uh, we you get three. Um, I get three. Wow. <laughs> Damn. I don't know. I wasn't Wait. expecting more, man. Well, you well, know you what? kind of I, said education at the beginning, which is yeah, cool. yeah. But I, you know, I I do wish that everybody on all sides of this, uh, well, anybody that's out on the streets, whether you're walking skateboarding, cycling, you know, whatever the hell you're doing to get around. You know, you, you just got to be aware of other modes of transportation. Oh, wow. That's that's actually the argument for complete streets, which is something that really did come up at the uh, at the thing, that uh, a complete street is, is something that all modes of transportation could use safely, whether you be uh, in a car or uh, on uh, public transportation or riding a bike or walking, right? With the exception of those motorized bicycles, I mean, I hate them to death, man. <laughs> well, aren't they? Aren't they transportation too? I mean, uh, if somebody's using that to get from point A to B, um, I, I know they're regulated. They, you have to have them uh, licensed. It may not be a, a full-on like every year kind of registration, but you, you have to go down and at least get them registered. I think if they're above a, a certain kind of. Uh, I think it's. CCs. I, I think it's like forty-nine or fifty-nine CCs. Yeah. I think that's the case, but uh, it's funny because now, and I would argue that we're seeing, and I'm not advocating for or against, but I like to think that people are using every way they can to get to either work or employment or to get around Los Angeles, and that's their solution, and I'm not going to be the one to say, oh, that solution is any better or any worse than anybody else's. and And it's not only getting around, it's getting things around. I mean... You know, um, I remember um, a cyclist, uh, Alex, had had built this crazy ass bicycle hauling thing with uh, with a shopping cart he had. You know, and then you have Woody that you know, and uh, and 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 the and the bike LA crew. Oh, that have, oh, we have to get Woody in here one of these days. He he's built some incredible machines uh, for cycling, and not only cycling, but for hauling. And I'm not hauling, talking yeah, like I mean, simple look hauling. At those ladder trailers, man, oh that, that, that the bike valleys are using, and they're hauling a bunch of shit. I've, I've seen him actually, and this is no joke, haul a refrigerator. I'm not talking like a little one. I'm talking like one of those big ones. Damn. Uh, that, I believe it. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But so it's not only weight, but it's, he was making good time on it. Uh, <laughs> and, and look at, and look at all these different types of bikes. I mean, when I when I was growing up, I only knew you know these street bikes, the BMXs, the GTs, and I and, and, and I knew some mountain bikes, the Huffies and the I think that was and the Rallies or something, you know. And now you know I'm since I've since I've been cycling, I've I've noticed not only are there street bikes, there's tall bikes, there's road bikes, there's hybrids, there's mountain bikes. And then Joseph has introduced me over at the Flying Pigeon to cargo bikes. What the hell? You know, it's like you're driving with a freaking bucket or a box or something, and these things could carry some serious weight, you know? Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, I, I think one of our upcoming programs is going to be on working bikes, where it's just everybody that uses their bike either for uh, not just transportation, but they either are... Uh, moving materials around for for employment or for pleasure or something else and just all the uh the the um, the problems they've solved in in the communication kind of sphere well you know what it's, it's not even the private citizen that that's looking into this i do remember if not earlier this year or late last year especially during the holiday season 
I do believe it was UPS that was contracting cyclists with trailers to deliver in rural areas. Right. I mean, I thought that was amazing. I mean, even for a big multi-billion dollar corporation like that to take an interest in an alternative way to deliver packaging, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, if it's not time-sensitive material, it, it, it seems like the way to go. But even, even if it is, uh, sometimes a bicycle, and this is no joke, gets there faster than that uh, huge uh, truck that has to leave uh, that, that Oh, thing. you're not kidding, dude. Yeah. When, when I first, I mean, I live, I live here in Cypress Park next to the bike oven, and uh, uh, I have to get to uh, Culver City every morning. And when I when I first started cycling to work, I remember one day I wanted to just test it. I left with plenty of time to get to work because I needed to do an experiment. I, I I waited at the bus stop with my bike, waited for the bus to leave, and then I started cycling. And I went and I and I did the same route that the bus was going to take all the way to my final destination. And I waited, and I waited an extra like thirty minutes for that bus to catch up to me. Wow. And I'm going to go, geez, you know, I would have never thought that. And I got here, I feel great, I don't feel tired at all, and I enjoyed that instead of just sitting on some cramped bus next to somebody I probably, that's probably going to bug the shit out of me, you know? Yeah, the endorphins kick in and everything. and It's it's really kind of, uh, it's. I mean, we've talked about everything. Maybe this third wish that you're kind of getting around to is, is health and stuff. You've, you've actually remained pretty healthy uh, cycling, right? Oh, you know what? That's you know my doctor's amazed, dude. I was, you know, I was diagnosed years ago with hypertension. You know, I'm a heavy set guy. You know, plus I like the, you know, I like a good, you know, drink here and there and everywhere, a good Coke, and I I enjoy my my Tommy burgers. You know, sorry to all the vegan homies out there, but I, you know, I'm part of PETA, the people for the eating of tasty animals, <laughs> and. uh <laughs> My, my doctor is amazed. I, that, I don't think you know, that's really. That's not the real Peter. Come on. Oh, it is it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But check it out. My doctor is amazed. You know my my last four checkups. My my, uh, my blood pressure's been at one twenty over eighty, dude. Uh-huh. And and she's and 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 she credits it just to cycling because my diet is probably the worst out of most people I know. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's fast food every day due to work. You know. On top of that, it's um. You know all the blazing I do and all the all the drinking I do. None of that should healthy, but I cycle everywhere and I and, and I like to ride my bike every day. And I've upset so many people and you know around me because I rather be on my bike doing at least twenty thirty miles, you know, without having to stop every every quarter mile. And I refuse to hang out with people because you know sometimes I just I, I just don't want to kick it and pass the bong around. You know, I really want to be on my bike and just. Right, 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 you know? Okay, well, this isn't Howard Stern. We don't need you to come out and confess anything either. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because you've, you've, uh, you've touched on a couple topics that uh, we, we try to tell people about. That was one of the other items that came up at this summit, and it was about trying to get kids. You know, we, it, it was funny because um, I, I think it was, uh, if it was Morpheus or one of the guys, they were, they were charting just... Uh, obesity over just the last 10 years from the 90s into the 2000s and it's amazing it used to be only one state was really what we would call more than 20 percent obese and now it's gotten into like every state there's only one state that isn't 20 percent obese so it's it's kind of strange because we just sort of take it for granted that all this 
I mean, we, we talk about like feeding the homeless. It's like, well, wait a second. What about feeding, you know, your, your intake on your own? And uh, well, I mean, I, I mean, look at what happened in, with the FDA this week. Seriously, pizza is now, a, uh, they're considering making it a vegetable just because it has tomato paste. Yeah. Come on, dude. It's like, it, it's like the LAUSD saying that you get your vegetables because you're eating, you know, French fries. But I mean, that's just greasy freaking fried food, you know? I, I agree. I, I hang out, and I've been known to hang out at farmer's markets, which people tell me is like the first stage towards being a radical. So there you go. I think what they really meant is the first stage towards uh, exercising your free radicals, but they hear radical in the thing, and they just sort of put that. And don't, and don't forget that, you yeah. know, every Tuesday we got that farmer's market bike caravan, you know, coming through and, you know, exposing people to act to delicious, healthy, organic foods. Okay, you know, Nick is Nick is asking where this is because he doesn't have one of those in his section of town. What the the farmers market? Yeah, where's the, where's your farmers market? The one in the one in Highland Park happens on Tuesday, and I believe it's Avenue Fifty Eight. Oh, okay. And Figueroa, it's it, it, it's between Figueroa and the train station. He he was miss he he thought it was a, a farmers market on bicycles, but that that might be something we we could do in the future, you know. Well, actually, it's already there. You know, Woody and his buddy Andrew, they they end up getting uh, the uh, the mature products at the farmers market or the things that have been bruised a little bit. I, I love how you said that. The overmature that could be a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> So he you takes the overmature products and he and he sort of redistributes them around town, right? Yeah, you know, kind of like Robin Hood. Yeah, and it, you know, because these people are going to throw them away anyways, and you know, they they go up there and they and they take them and they just distribute them along the way, whatever's left over. I know they drop them off either at either at uh, at one of the missions at Skid Row or uh, or a, a food bank in East LA. So you know, so at times you know they could they they could run out of stuff before they reach any of these charities. But the people that that get these products are actually you know people that are going to eat them and appreciate them and stuff. And whatever's left over, you know, gets appreciated by somebody else. And it's gotten to the point now that sometimes they're running late. That you know, even Brian down the street, you know, and myself, you know, we gave them our numbers that if they're running late, if we're in the neighborhood. We'll go up there and we'll and we'll safeguard these products until they come up and pick them up. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you wear many hats, uh, Mister Active and stuff. And we want to thank you for calling in here on, on Bike Talk. Any parting words? Uh, be safe out there and uh, have a good time and wear a helmet, please. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. And we'll, All right, we'll, man. we'll talk to you soon. All right. I'll see you at the other man. All right. Peace out. Bye. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling. All right, let's put him. Here on. you go. Here you go. Just put a song on. Okay, it is bike talk here. Let me let me see if I can get the microphone. Hey, bicycle man is what I am. Be proud to be. Who wants my style? Well, we're second dilly dally. Who would I wanna be in the yard? Twenty one past me. Front wheel in the air. We don't care. We really, really. I took a turn on the avenue. Saw this girl that looked like my new. Hey girl, how is your day? Hey, hey, she looked at me and this is what she said. She, she said, she don't want no bicycle man. Oh, she is looking for a car man. I want to drive some minivan. I looked at her and smiled a while. Hey, she realized I didn't like her style. 
Good spice command is what I am in proud to be. Watch my style, well versed like a dilly dally. Whoever wanna penny or 21 past me. Quiet the wheel in the air, we don't pay, we really, really. But next day, she see me in a motor car. Flag me down, ask me if I'm going far. I looked at her, do you remember yesterday? She looked at me, and this is what she had to say. Say she don't want no bicycle man. Oh, she is looking for a car, man, I want to drive a minivan. I looked at her, and smile a while, hey. Look, it's really low rise. So where where we at, Patrick? Right. So these guys. Queen Anne's okay, I have to. I have to tell you. I have to tell you about this. They, I go find out where Queen Anne's is. So they pull it up and they give me all the directions. They go, oh man, this is in Culver City. It's off some street in Culver City. It's off whatever. And I go, no. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I look at where they're looking at, right? Queen Anne's, Seattle, Washington. They're looking at for directions. <laughs> It sounds like a Seattle place. <laughs> so there's 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 some huge ass thing in things. But this is the beginning. Just a handful of people here at Queen Anne's. That's right. It's the Thanksgiving slash Halloween slash preparation for twenty twelve. No, no, no. The the toy ride. Oh right. The toy ride. Yeah, yeah. And and uh Trick, Trick Miller was just showing me some, that's right, some photos of the, the space. It looks awesome. Everybody's going to have a great time on the 9th, right? Uh, December 9th. Yeah. Everyone's going to have a great time. That's awesome. Is this going to be on Bike Talk? This is, this is going to be on Bike Talk if I can transfer tonight. Awesome. Oh, Bike Talk's tomorrow morning. Yeah, that means I don't, no sleep for the wicked or no sleep for old man or whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, the, less you, the less you record, the less you have to transfer. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. You always transfer the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, here's somebody we met earlier. So, so Manny. Yeah. I, I caught you. Yeah. You caught the ride. I told we, you. We were, we were having some hesitation here. I told but you, don't stress. Don't stress. Don't stress. I'll tell them to wait. Don't worry. I always think, oh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. And you know, it's like beating the snake, you know? Nah, I told him, hey, wait for yeah. chicken leather. Yeah. 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 You're going to beat the snake. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry, sorry for the road warrior kind of uh, uh, inter intersecting. But this was the beginning of uh, Midnight Riders last week. Uh, as we open up some of our uh, mail here at Kill Radio, let's get back to uh, that's right the beginning of Midnight Riders in the conversation. Getting more riders out there, more more people to ride their bike, not necessarily cyclists. Do you have any kind of suggestions to, to people out there without even going to this conference? Um, I don't know, look at yourself in the mirror. Very. Oh, that's a great one. So it's all within us to be yeah. a cyclist, I guess. No, yeah, yeah, you just look at the flabbiness around you. You know, you know you're so, you on a bike. Well, it gets me on a bike. You know? uh, so, so just looking at other people out of, out of shape gets you on the bike to, yep. to sort of take it off. Yep, yep, yep. 
Oh, that's a good one. Shame, shame yourself into writing. I like yep. that. Yep. All right, good, good idea. Went to a conference. I wonder how much I damn roll. Shit. Well, this is Jero, and we're going to get to him in just a second. But uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Nick here brought up. Go ahead. What? I don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Here. I thought I turned your mic on. Here. There you go. What did I bring up? No, you, you were. You, um, this is. Um, what Active said that guy that got hit, but that guy that got hit has a name. He's not just a guy. This is Manny, and Manny yeah. is the one that w- that was doing this. And you were you were commenting. I'm like, hey, Manny, Manny showed up, and I go, yeah, he's he actually gets out a lot. He's just not there to shoot stuff with his iPod when the police are there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, no, it's uh, he was looking at the health kind of things, and you were looking at the same thing with health and and your kids at school, right? Mm-hmm. All right, maybe I made a bad point here. We're gonna move on. Here's Jero. <laughs> I did get more people on bikes. That would be a tough thing, but people, not cyclists. It could be. It, it could be incorporated. If, if and there, there are jobs out there that for your uh, being healthy, they have like a special program. Ah, with so you're saying tie, tie in health with riding your bikes. Maybe for right. kids or maybe... Well, not so much just for them, but for yourself. Because wow, this is a if, you, if, you, if, you have, if you have a medical insurance company and you're out and you're doing the things that you do to keep yourself healthy, cycling, running, swimming, whatever it may be, whatever your uh, cardiovascular activity is, there are jobs. They give you bonuses for that. You you just, as the worker, have to look and see if the program is there. Wow, I, I like this. So, so your employer might make you to pay you to ride. Pay you to go out run, and that way, when when marathons and triathlons and cycling, you know, races, you're going the big the big enchilada here. You can actually apply and submit for those days off of work, and it doesn't count against you. Awesome. Sounds awesome. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Tax breaks for cyclists. Tax breaks for cyclists. You know, that's something somebody brought up, and I'm, I'm not going to say who, chicken leather, but he kind of brought up the idea that it's like we, we pay oil companies to drill, we pay we pay other people to like do all this stuff. Why are we paying bi- why are we paying bicyclists? They're resource that's reusable. I mean, I've never seen somebody you know, just out and say, hey, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta cut this out of the, out of the equation." But look, recyclable, reusable, and it's, and it's using technology that that's out there now. And and you know what's really weird? I get to the same corner on my 40, 50 year old technology as the Hummer or the Prius. And dude, I there wasn't like a research team. Hello, I'm the research team. I'm the guy that greased my own chain and rebuilt the bottom bracket and stuff. So. I mean, there's no way on a bike you're as, not as fast as a bus any day yeah, yeah. of the week. So, you know. Yes. Pam, Pam. For cyclists. I, I like that. that. I like that. That's Somebody suggested that. I suggested, you know, carbon credits. I heard it was, um, I heard it was this guy called Turkey Pleather, but... <laughs> but maybe it's the guy you're talking about. Turkey pleather. Turkey pleather. Alternate ego. Alternate ego. I like that. Turkey pleather. All right, we're, we're cutting you off the 
Oh, I thought you were. You were I saw a, a Colt 45 around here. I, I think that we, we were talking about the real guns, and that was the other kind of disturbing thing. All the cops this week at the protest, they all had Smith & Wesson bicycles. So I guess Smith & Wesson has broken away from guns, which is probably a good thing, into bicycles, which is kind of a weird thing. They had it branded. Yeah. Maybe they come with the guns. Or maybe they just put on the sticker to impress us all. Yes. Maybe they do. For every gun, you get a bike. It's yeah. that time. Well, there there were armed librarians in this town, so maybe that's that's part of it. What, anyway, oh. yeah, we, we kid about that, but maybe Will will call in one of these days. Anyway, uh, it is uh, Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast. It is Bike Talk. Um, entering into the second hour, you heard a little bit of Midnight Riders and their ride. Um, this was last week, and the theme was... Uh, hey, Chicken. Hey, yeah. Do you want to answer one of our Facebook questions? I do. We're going we're gonna to get to that uh, okay. shortly. There's a, a couple of repair questions that we're going to address. Um, just just want to mention about uh, the Midnight Riders. Uh, we heard about the, the toy ride that's going on, and I guess it's next month because this is November already. So next month is the toy ride in December, and it's the second week, and a lot of things are always jam-packed into that first and second week in December. So is this the second Saturday? So it's, it's actually a second Friday of the month, so it's the ninth. But uh, uh, I, I bring it up because... Uh, it's just an unwrapped toy, and a lot of times we just drag people over to the CVS to buy toys if they don't have toys for the thing. Uh, but uh, it's it's a fun ride, all city bike ride. And at this point, I should put on the old one where it rained, and we still had tons of fun with uh, not only Roadbox playing the Huffingtons, but uh, a couple of other people that uh, showed up. Um, uh, in, including, I'm trying to remember all the rest of the bands, but they were they were fun. It was not only bands, but food and all, all manner of uh, cycle kind of uh, uh, amenities. Anyway, and by that I mean there were patch kits and all sorts of stuff. I, th- I think the bike oven is going to step it up too, and we're going to talk about that later. Or you'll see, you'll see. Anyway, um, yeah. So uh, the this. This was pretty fun, this uh, Midnight Riders, but it was uh, fun for a couple reasons. A small group, dedicated group, and as stated, the theme was uh, it was almost like a pre-kind of uh, uh, Thanksgiving slash Day of the Dead. Boy, they're just rolling them all into each other, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, uh, Nick asked me uh, if I was going to explain this and i think some of it is self-explanatory it's just that kind of thing i think you should only play the self-explanatory parts <laughs> okay nick here we go grazie, grazie. i'm thanking italian people right there is that a self-explanatory no, it, well yeah Hey, speaking of dick, they just came out with Richard Nixon's like transcripts. Believe it or not, one night he was all depressed and he went to the Lincoln Memorial and he goes to Lincoln Memorial and there's all these like young kids and they go, hey, Mr. Nixon, you got to end this war. And he goes, aren't you serious about ending this war? He says, well, I I think about it all the time. 
pretty awesome, huh? Whoa! And I'm I'm using for a source the uh, <laughs> the uh, New York Times on that. Apparently, it's in his transcripts coup that, that was just made available to uh, the Library of Congress, which is pretty incredible. So they're coming out with this. But uh, the reason I brought it up is besides talking about everybody thinks we just talk about crap, but here we are talking about Nixon. I thought your mic was up. No, I, I think you should stick to bikes. There you go. I think How about answering the, the Facebook bikes. question? We are going to answer the Facebook question. See, we're, we're, we're jumping around trying to not, not answer the Facebook question. But we do know about it. Two things. Somebody asked me about... You uh, refer to yourself as we? Somebody asked us. Us. You, me, we. Not we, me. We, us. Kay. Oh, never mind. Anyway, two questions. Uh, Marina... Uh, Pachenko, is that it? P P Pachaco? You're, you're the teacher that's supposed to know everybody's name. It depends if it's Italian or, or it, I'm, Spanish. I'm th I'm thinking it's just Marina, right? Uh huh. And Marina had a question about her. She spokes. she says her spokes are make are loose and they make a noise when she rides. Um, if it's easy to f is it easy to fix? And uh, yeah, it's easy to fix. Sure. And we could. We could send you to a bike shop, and I, they I could, could almost do that. You, I can you almost could, fix my own You spokes. can almost fix your spokes. Well, the thing is, if they're loose, you want to get them to the proper tension, and they have these things called uh, a tension meter. It's a cool hmm. little thing. We have one over at the bike oven, but they have them at a lot of the bike collectives. I would suggest going to a bike collective near you, um, only because the bike shop, while they, while they do know their stuff, they may charge you a little bit more than you really need to. So her question was, do I need a special tool or should I take it to a shop? I, I think she could get, if she has a spoke wrench, it's not a special tool. A spoke wrench in a book about... Uh, a spoke wrench is a special how to, tool. How to do it. I don't think a spoke wrench is an expensive tool. No, special. It, it is a special tool, yes. Special. 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 It's a species of tool. Special tool. Yeah, it is special. It's a special tool. A special tool, but um, we're, it, we're sounding like freaking. But you crack could now. use, like and, and I'm going to relate this <laughs> this thing. One time, on one of these midnight riders ride, a guy got tacoed by another bike rider, and his wheel Taco. was horrible. And why we're trying to explain where the blue line is so he what could get that? back and give up the ride. Uh, black woman sidekick got down Veronica. with with two. She you didn't thought? have a spoke wrench. She didn't have it. She had. And this is really funny. She had a wrench, a regular wrench. I think it was, uh, you know, like an adjustable wrench. And she had uh, just pinched nose pliers. And literally, she took the wheel from being like totally unrideable to where, you know, he released his brakes, but he could still ride. And so instead of just like giving it up and trying to find the blue line, within the, the time we told her, we explained to this guy where the blue line was. She had his wheel trued, which I thought was pretty incredible. Wow. She's that, that's that awesome. good. So, so you guys are like just mobile, like good Samaritans. Well, that's, that's, that, that was one of those rides that uh, we, were, we were on. So anyway, we're going to bring up the, the sound now. I think this is uh, Wait, a so Mariana, uh, Marina. 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 Marina, uh, your answer is. Be before we get back to the Midnight Riders, uh, what, what do we as say? You as you speak. What do I say, you say, Marina, there's a simple fix. Simple fix. You can purchase a spoke wrench for less than $10, I think. They're even less than that if you have a specific size. I think they even come in different colors for different sizes. So depending on which one, you can get one specific to your bike. Um, so it has but to be, if you can't, it has to be if the you, right size? If you, yeah. 
Well, if, what, how does she know what size? To get? Exactly. You have to size your thing. So you could take it to a, a, a bike collective or a bike shop and get the right size wrench, and it shouldn't be too much money. But if you don't know how to do this, you could go to one of the bike collectives, and I'm thinking microwave, bike kitchen, bike oven, bike sands in the valley, the bikery, the the green bike project out in uh, Claremont. Uh, <laughs> you really want the rest of them? No, they're all around. All these bike collectives, the bike hub. Yeah. Long Beach. I mean, uh, they sit around and they won't there's be that a, expensive. There's a map. But if you go to these collectives, a lot of times they will have spoke wrenches there. So on, you just have to pay for the stand time if and, you go, and the expertise. Okay, what? If you go to a bike collective, you only have to pay for the stand time. So I would direct her towards one of the local bike collectives in her town. Ask her where she lives, if you, if you could. Or what area she lives. What, what's her zip code? All right. So you know, there's a, a bike collectives map out there. Is there? Yeah. Wow, that's that's really. It's creative. on our kpfk.org with uh, bike talk. Awesome. Page. Well, there's there's a telephone. Uh, let me see what's playing. We're gonna play a little bit more of this until we get to that phone. So it is Kill Radio while we get through the pothole sequence and KPFK on the podcast. We, we have a phone call. Yeah, Nick is telling me I should really do something about that. Hi. Hi. And we have on the phone. Alice. Alice. Alice Strong. Alice, uh, uh, the question we've been asking a lot of people is, uh, uh, you know, the bike summit was last week. and uh, The bike summit. Yeah. There bike was, summit. There was a California bike summit with... Uh, it was a California Bike Coalition Summit with all these people around town. I and missed that. Yeah, it was. It was. Let, let's be honest. It was uh, kind of popped on us too. But it was all the bike coalitions within the the county. I know. I cities. wanted to go, and I was going to go, but then I couldn't because you know I live in South Del Monte. Yeah, and there was a lot, of, a lot of city hall meetings and stuff, right? Right. So our mayor was going to lead a ride that day. So I discussed it with other people from the San Gabriel Valley Bicycle Coalition because uh, I was going to just go, you know, to the summit. They said, no, you should do this ride with the mayor since he agreed to do this mayor's ride. You know, he's going to do this ride every month. 
which is kind of neat. Yeah, that's So fantastic. I stayed, and then it rained, so the ride didn't happen. The summit didn't happen for me, but I heard that it was really great. There was a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, I was following the tweets because uh-huh. uh, Wes from our group was tweeting. Right, and and uh, we we always forget that sort of the inland empire. I call it. It's not really inland and empire, but it's inland, inland from empire. us. We're San Gabriel Valley. Yeah, it's just nor It's it's kind of east of us, and we kind of always yeah. forget that they're out there. Another but. valley. I call it the other valley because yeah. people say the valley, but we have a valley too. Or or else when people talk about the east side, it's like the the San Gabriel Valley is really sort of the east side. Right. Far east. But to me, it's sort of like a sleeping giant that's kind of starting to wake up. I don't know if you've been following a lot of the bike stuff that's going on now, but there's a whole kind of movement um, to get bike plans in all these towns that really haven't thought about it much. Like Temple City has an amazing bike plan now that includes separated lanes on Rosemead Boulevard, this really huge overbuilt street. Um, Alhambra just announced they were going to have a bike plan, and they're a city that hasn't done anything you know, I mean, it's really kind of exciting. And, and like my little town, you know, the mayor wants to go for a bike ride now every month. Um, so it's like this whole bike wave, you know, is kind of making its way out here. Before there was sort of cycle was doing a few things in the San Gabriel Valley, but you really didn't hear about LACBC doing much. Or So now they're moving, you know, they've got all their branches they're starting, like ours, you know, in the San Gabriel Valley. So, so Alice, are are you the one that posted this thing about the SX seventy? Yeah, <laughs> I am. I I I did. Yes, you noticed. No one commented. I thought, Jesus, nobody is nobody else in love with these cameras. But I have a huge collection that I'm selling on eBay right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'm I'm. You're gonna say, why would I mention this on a bicycle show? But that's okay. I know you're a photo. No, I, I can I. I can draw the parallel. Um, it's it's funny because we always think of experimental kind of scientific things being sort of relegated to to uh, uh, let's let's just say skunk works and, and other things. But <laughs> this is this is one of those things. Polaroids. Uh, they're, they inherently were kind of on this uh, back burner for everybody. It was like some, some kid thought this idea up, believe it or not. I, I, there's a great book out about uh, Land and his daughter. And, and it, uh, oh, yeah, to, yeah. Just well, she close, said, how come we can't see the picture right now, Daddy? Exactly. And it's that, that same kind of, wow, kid kind of fascination and everything that I think also uh, kind of surrounds bicycles. It's like... Well, why aren't we there yet? Yeah, and you always hear I mean, kids asking that. Dream, you know? And now when people ask that, I always say, well, we're, we're in a car. We're not on a bicycle. We would have been there if we were on a bicycle. Everybody always looks at me like, oh, God, are we really going to fight about this, which is the better way of transportation? And I tell them, yeah, we're really <laughs> going to fight about this in the car. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, tell us more about your SX-70 collection. Oh, I don't know. What do you want to know about it? I, I mean, I'm I'm keeping the one that I grew up with. My dad bought one, uh-huh. you know, in the 70s. He bought the Model 2, you know, the one, not the chrome one, the sort of beige and brown one. <laughs> and he, he engraved his name on it. You know, my dad died about 30 years ago, but I still have that. his Polaroid, which is really cool. Oh. But I, I love them so much, and I used to collect. I had about 20 of them and all uh-huh. the accessories and everything stuck away in a drawer. 
So instead of instead of the cameras themselves, which are kind of great things to have around, what about the pictures? Were there oh, any... I've got a lot of pictures. In fact, I'm looking I'm looking at one that I took. Actually, my daughter was about five years old, and she took a picture of me taking a picture in Joshua Tree with, and she took it with an SX70 camera. And and I had all this old film, expired film, I was experimenting with, so it really looks weird. You know, it's like. The whole SX70 thing has a little experimental quality to it anyway, which which is why it's so popular right now. It's sort of having this resurgence, I guess, yeah. with the Impossible Project. And well, I was I was kind of trying to uh, guide the conversation into we've seen some of these pictures of, of SX70s, bicycles that were taken by an SX70, and uh, pretty, pretty fa- fantastic stuff. Did you take some of these, or is this not your picture here that we're looking at? Um, did I take a picture of what? Are, what? Bicycles. Some bicycle rides. Oh, no, I didn't. Somebody. Where is that? Where well, are you somebody's, seeing that? Somebody's going out and doing this. We saw a photo about that on, on one of the, the websites here. Well, is, that the, is that South Omani? I don't know if it's South Omani, but it, it looks like somewhere. Actually, it looks more like downtown. Oh, it's a picture of you. Oh, it's just a picture of you. Oh. Of me? We thought it was at the, at the Bike Summit ride. Uh, you did the ride, but you didn't go into the, the thing. No, that's probably not me. What are you looking at? <laughs> like, we're, we're looking what? at some. There's a tagged photo online. Anyway, we're. I, what I was trying to say is, um, you you didn't take with all those cameras. You didn't take one of you on a bicycle. Not of me. No, <laughs> not with a Polaroid. I don't think I have a lot of pictures of me on on a bike, especially when I was younger. But I don't think there are no. I don't think there's any F670s. Oh. Well, I would, it's photography and bicycles go back really far. I think it's that same kind of... Yeah, uh, and you could almost say the, the SX-70 is sort of a cool invention like like the bicycle. You know, it's one of those really perfect machines, sort yeah. of. Yeah, they're, they're still around. Actually, you could still get film for them and everything, too, which a lot of people don't think. And you don't have to buy used film. I think somebody's making new film. Right, the Impossible Project. Right. But it's so pa- expensive. Integral pack film. Yeah, you see, everybody always looks at it like it's really expensive, but I kind of argue the, the thing that if you shoot a lot of digital pictures, mm-hmm. I know people that shoot hundreds of digital pictures, and yet they, know, they, they never, you know, it's always go to a computer. There's never anything around. You know, they might have two or three. But I always go to people's houses, and if they've taken a Polaroid, bang, it's up on their refrigerator. It's I don't, yeah, that's a good point. It's the same thing. So it's like, well, you know, the three or four that you do print are out there. And, you know, also the, the color was pretty stable oh, in yeah. the SX-70s, really, compared to the, the C-41 prints. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, 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 uh, as long as you didn't put it in the sun or let it rot or, or burn it in, in, a, in a movie or something like that, it, it pretty much uh, it survives time if you, if you uh, kind of treat it like a photography instead of something on your fridge. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, Bicycles out in San Gabriel. What a concept. Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Have you ever been on the San Gabriel River Trail? I don't I, know if I asked you that before. I, I think I've been on part of it, but inadvertently, because it was like we were riding somewhere, and somebody said, oh, it's faster to get there by here. And it was just like one of those, like, bang, where it was like a five-minute kind of thing. And I said, wow, that was fast. What was that? And they said, oh, that was, uh, we, we, we cut across to the river thing. So it's like... Whereas I have to go out of my way in Los Angeles to get to the river 
kind of thing in San Gabriel. It's kind of like, oh yeah, you can use it to get around San Gabriel, which I thought was kind of unique. Some parts, yeah, some yeah. parts. It's just really beautiful. Yeah. I got to get more people to come out and just just so they can say they've ridden on it. Um, like maybe an east meets west ride, sort of. Right, and it's funny you should mention that today. The I'm looking at the streets out here in the sky. There's fluffy clouds. This looks like one of those days when you you really can't get into your car. I mean, you can, but you, you're... Let's see. Oh, man, it's just beautiful out there. Everybody thinks it's going to rain, which is kind of cool because that just keeps more people out on the out of... Uh, wow, it is nice. Yeah. It's really pretty. Fluffy clouds and stuff. So um, having said that, Alice, we're, we're going to bring this around to the fact that there's some other pictures of you at Ciclovia and uh, enjoying it. And one of the, the things that uh, we were, they were asking at the summit, which is the first question I was going to ask, was, uh, what, do you have a wish? Do you have, you know, if you had three wishes, what would one of those wishes be to make it easier for people to cycle, not necessarily cyclists? Um, you mean right now? Yeah. In, in Los Angeles? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I like would like to see more. I would like to see the laws change a little bit, so we had a lot, a lot more stricter liability than we have now. It seems like um, it's really awful if a cyclist gets hit by a car because it seems like the drivers just can say, "Oh man, I just didn't see him." You know, it's an accident, and and that seems okay with people. They seem to nod their head and say, "Oh yeah, we understand." Okay, you know, and I think that that. Ah, that would be a major change. If I, if I could just change one thing right now, it would be that anybody that drives a car takes a lot takes their responsibility to drive safely a lot more seriously, and they get off their their cell phones and they slow down and they just start really really paying attention and and being aware of how how much damage they can do with their vehicle. Anyway, that would be the main thing I would want. Uh, that came out in one of the uh, the breakout uh, discussions at the at the thing. Uh, somebody said, "Hey, uh, why why can't we do that? They they do it in other countries. Um, it, the liability is if you hit somebody, you're at fault, regardless if the bicycle guy was doing something ridiculous or something. You should actually make some allowances for that." But most of the time, people are just riding safe. It's it's like car drivers are just trying to get somewhere in a hurry or something. It, it seems when when bicyclists are hit or or something like that. Anyway, uh, any any other kind of wishes before we uh, go? Uh, mm, I'm putting well, you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> did everybody that has a bicycle sitting around collecting dust actually gets on it and takes a little ride? This oh year, my god! You know? now, now see that's that's the goes back to uh, I I think it was uh, Christopher Mathis who was. Uh, talking about this he he said or morphous excuse me he was talking about uh, the idea that uh, people have all these things laying around but yet if you pull them out and use them every once in a while it might be a incentive for other people to use them and stuff almost like that thing that our, our friend was talking about you're, you're sort of shamed to do better you know you, you look around and you see everybody not doing something so it's like hey you know start that movement on the bike right yeah, I mean, I think, well, it's picking up so much momentum. I think the next decade is going to be so so wonderful and fascinating as far as transportation in America. I don't know. There's so much to talk about, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> if it continues to gain momentum, I mean, you know, you've been around for a few years. You've seen it changing, right? I, I hope, yeah. 
Well, I've seen, I've seen certain parts of it change. I, I think the social rides have gotten, if anything, more, more mainstream and more refined than I ever thought they would be. Well, look uh, at what's happening with the younger kids. You know, like they're buying less cars. It's not as important for them to drive. You know, like the teens and there, the people almost in their twenties. Yeah, there's almost a socialization. It was always like get your car so you can. Uh, uh, there's there's almost that you have to have a car to go out and, and be part of a accepted quote unquote kind of uh, uh, coming of age kind of thing. So it's like you get rid of your bicycle the minute you get your driver's license. And now we're seeing just the opposite. People aren't aren't even getting cars. They're just sort of you know not only is has the insurance kind of thing which which you know I'm not anti insurance but I'm anti when it when it comes to the fact that they bleed you. And if you do anything wrong, it's like, oh, don't report this to your insurance company, which is just the opposite of what insurance was for. It was supposed to be like, it's supposed to keep you safe. It's not supposed to be some sort of hidden thing you only pull out when you really screw up or something. And, and that in itself has contributed to, I think, more dangerous driving, more like leave the scene of a crime or something. If people would just take it upon themselves to, to say, hey, look, you know, the insurance company does not have to like rake you for every dime if you create a an accident now you have to be insured i mean it used to be there was a almost like a you you have to get some insurance but now it's mandatory and i think the the minute they made it mandatory they eliminated a huge block of society where people even ride illegally and stuff go ahead hmm? <laughs> <laughs> well it, it's funny because nick here is telling me to let her talk and it's like i'm, oh. I'm, I'm I'm, I was actually trying to be a polite listener. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we aim to do here. At, at, uh, no, it's great. It's supposed to be a dialogue. Actually, Active is messaging me on my Facebook page. He says, I'm listening to you on Bike Talk. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about him. <laughs> well, we oh, yeah, did. there was a movie out, and I heard Active was in it. I haven't seen it. There was a screening in Ventura. It's uh, on the ghost bikes. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, so they've been going around to the little local things. They they made that where he was part of that, and uh, I think it was the one that where he was in Pasadena, and then there's been a few where he's actually built those bikes. Yeah, I, I yeah. Well, you were at that ride. You you were at the ride that we did for Alan the memorial yeah, it was. ride. Alan Dean. And yeah. they were filming, so you're probably in this movie too. Yeah. The cat and Danny made yeah. Danny Gamboa. Absolutely. They've been, they've been working on that for a while. I haven't seen it. I, I know that they've been uh, working yeah. on it now for like a labor of love for about a year or so. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to be in L.A. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the thing. I, I think they're, they're sort of screening it around just to, to get it. Because they're from Long Beach now. They moved out to Long Beach. I think they uh, had enough of L.A.'s promises and finally said, you know, L.A., you know, Long Beach is actually doing it. And mm -hmm. that's, that was their thing. And... and I, I don't think we could change fast enough until they they were there. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is a, another feather in Mr. Gandhi's hat, so to speak. So, but um, so uh, Alice, uh, as we as we wrap up here, uh, just any any parting words? What are you doing this weekend on a bicycle? What am I doing? Well, let's see. What am I doing? I, I really haven't decided. There's another memorial ride tomorrow for Alan Dean um, that's going to be leaving from the bike kitchen. Uh-huh. I may do that. I don't know. i gotta catch up. I got to catch up with some work here. I've been so busy with meetings and 
you know, running around. I'll always ride the bike, though. I'll, I'll ride up to the store, if nothing else, you know. Oh, which is, which is great. That's what uh, I went on a bike ride the other day, and Cycle was uh, advocating that kind of uh, suggestion. Um, and then so I short also, rides. I know. They yeah. always did that, and that's, yeah, that kind of goes along with, like, dusting off the bike. If everybody had one right. sitting in the garage, actually rode it up to the library, even if it was just one errand they did. One time, one day out of the week, it would make such a huge difference. Yes, and, and just the amount of uh, petrol and all the rest of the stuff you'd save. I, I know this the same uh, discussion was raised, I think, last week on, on one of the local radio stations, and everybody was kind of blinded by bike safety and bike and all this stuff, and they just sort of missed the fact that that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about, like, the safety factor or, or cyclists being you know, taking up the road or anything like this. I mean, they have a right to the road. They, 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 all the listeners totally missed it. It's like, no, you're arguing for the fact that if you get out of your car, you can save some gas. That's what we're saying. And there's all these other benefits from it, but they were missing it for the fact that they were so pro-car. And I, I say that. There's a, there's a difference between pro-something and anti-something. I'm not, I'm not anti-either. It's just that I think that a lot of times... The fastest way to get there is your bike. It is, and the most fun. I mean, that's the main thing that I like about riding the bike. Even though people, you know, you've got to be very careful on the street and, and ride real defensively, to me it's still a heck of a lot more fun than driving. You know, it's just people feel good on a bike. It's like a stress reliever where a car is a stress creator. Anyway, maybe we should end on that. I, I think that's a great way to <laughs> Go out and relieve your stress. Have a nice bike ride. Like you said, it's really beautiful today. Perfect no, way to be out riding. That's, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a great stress reliever, and it's actually a, a good idea. Um, I, you've, you've, you've actually hit on the point that the, I think the chairman was making at this conference that we overlook the fun factor a lot of times with bikes, and, and it there, you know, it sells itself almost. If you get somebody on a bike, you know, you don't have to convince them. It's it's fun. Hey, well, Alice, Active is is telling me on Facebook to have you look at the pictures of Alan's ghost bike. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I'm, we're gonna take a look or mention it here. Okay, okay. I, wa I want to thank you, Alice, for talking to us. Hey, it was great to talk to you, and I'll see you around the bike oven. All right. Bye. Thanks a lot. So Marina uh, says her zip code is nine zero two five five. Do you know where that is? I I think that's uh out is that is that uh west side? Can we get a map? Yeah. Check that out. Okay, we'll get a map. We're going to check that out. Hey, uh we've been talking about all this bike summit and everything. Here's uh the first day intro with Alexis. Go ahead and take a seat and uh we're going to get started here. Um I'm Alexis Lance. I am the Planning and Policy Director for the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition. I am also a board member for the California Bicycle Coalition. And I'd love to welcome you today. So, uh, thank you so much for attending the 2011 California Bike Summit. Um, I'm so excited to see so many advocates, club uh, leaders, allies, and supporters from around California here in Los Angeles for this event. It's pretty exciting. Um, this weekend's events are really about building our strength uh, and coming together to understand the issues that we are all challenged with at the local, regional, and state level, and also, um, which other folks will mention later, at the national level. 
because <laughs> there are transportation bills. Senate transportation bill was released yesterday, so we'll probably talk about that a little bit as well. So over the next few hours and days, the California Bicycle Coalition really wants to hear from you. Um, and we're also really excited to hear from our allies who are working on similar issues at the state and national level who are here with us this weekend as well so that they can share with us what they are working on and how we can work together to create a more bikeable and livable California and country. As a local advocate here in Los Angeles, I approached the CDC about having a uh, bike summit, a California bike summit, after attending last year's Alliance for Biking <coughs> Walking Leadership Retreat in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so I have to uh, thank the Alliance. Um, they are, uh, for those who, I hope everyone here is a member of the Alliance for Biking and Walking. They're a, a really fantastic organization, and, and Jeff's going to talk in a minute. But one of the things they really do is bring people together and help build capacity. And um, that's something that I really felt like we need to be doing here in California as well. Um, because there are so many advocates um, from around California who are doing amazing things. And it took going to Tennessee for me to meet many of them. <laughs> And I felt like, you know, we should be meeting in California and we should be learning from each other because we are facing a lot of the same issues. We deal with the same environmental laws, um, a, a lot of the same things. And so we should really be learning from each other about how we can create change in our community, how we can create change in our region, and how we can create change in our state. Um, and so after, I, I, you know, I talked with a lot of my fellow advocates at the leadership retreat and it was a continuing conversation in the months afterwards, and um, I sort of stalked the CBC. <laughs> I was like, we need to have a state summit to come together uh, so we can really share our struggles and successes. And really, you know, part of it for me was, is, is as a local advocate, I really see the need to create change at the state level. So many of the things that we face as local advocates are changes that need to happen legislatively at the state level. And so for me, really, it's about creating a stronger statewide bicycle advocacy movement, and it's also about creating a stronger California Bicycle Coalition. And so I, I talked with Dave and Chris and the board members, and um, who I'll introduce in a, in a moment, and uh, they agreed. They felt that this was something we really needed to be doing, and um, they put me on their board. So that I could help make this happen. Um, and so I'm really pleased today to see all of you here and see this idea which, which began in Tennessee and grew over the months and got uh, further elaborated on in Wyoming at a, at a special executive retreat of the Alliance for Biking and Walking. And um, I'm really excited for this weekend for us to really start working together, um, to share our struggles, to really identify the, the issues that we can change at the state level and figure out what kind of policy platform we can have for the next year and the years to come to create the change we need to see um, so that we can really live in healthier, more livable, and more bikeable communities. And so without much further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Chris Morpis, our uh, board president for the California Bicycle Coalition. So we're going to hear from Mr. Morpis. It's, it sounds like we're in the, the matrix again, isn't it? Morpis. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're going to hear from Chris in a minute. But uh, we wanted to get back to what was the closest bike collective to 9225? Oh, I, I thought we were still trying to figure that out. Yeah, we, well, no, we figured it out. It's going to be probably the bike oven in okay. uh, northeast Los Angeles. So you can 
you can text her the fact that it's okay. in 37 Figaro. I think Huntington Park is one of those ones that's in a hole right there. There's probably some better bike shops. I know there's uh, – if she wanted to purchase the, the tool, she could go to uh, uh, someplace like InCycle. I, I think there's one actually out, out that way by her or, or uh, Performance or something and actually buy the tool. But if she lacks the expertise, I would say just come to the bike oven. Um, uh, today from uh, 1 to 4 we'll be there but uh, right. you can always check that's into it that's it 1 to 4 just 1 to 4 yeah that's why I'm always rushing out of here to get over there you're looking at me like I'm probably not going to be there the whole day today I have a, something to do in between that time so I'll open it up run away and then come back and close see how that works mm-hmm. <laughs> it is uh, Mike Talk here on Kill Radio and and KPFK on the podcast. Hey, uh, do do you want to hear more about the bike? Uh, uh, there's a great thing that Chris Morphis does right now. Yeah, talking man. about this. Uh, we haven't gotten to the the three points that people want to take away from this, but uh, you heard some from Midnight Riders, and you'll hear more today. On uh, talk is still cheap from six to eight. That's the public affairs show we do. Uh, also, a little bit of um, the bike program down at the Occupy LA. Which is uh, renamed itself from Bike Toaster. Anyway, you're looking at me like perplexed. Like, where am I going with this? No. <laughs> All right, here we go. Cool. More from uh, Chris Marcus. Thank you very much, Alexis. And. Uh my thanks to all of you for being here today. You, you had some options today, and yet, yet here you are, and it reflects the, the great dedication and, and talent we have within our bison community in California. It is my um, honor and pleasure to serve you as the uh, president of the California Bicycle Coalition Board of Directors. I, I see a few of my fellow board members in the room today. Could you stand up for a moment? Yeah, two in the front rows. So we've got Alexis and Charlie and Andrew, Stephen Vance. So these, these are people who serve the California bison community out of a, a great personal sense of dedication and service. They do so at no insignificant expense of time and money. Most of them travel out of their own pocket to, to, to meetings and spend hours every month on the phone hashing out details of making our organization successful. I'm, I'm really grateful to all of them. I'm grateful as well to all of you. Just seeing all of you, your smiling faces, seeing your energy, it, it really does make it all worthwhile. And so. That's really why, two reasons why we're here today. Really, for all of you, this is a chance for you to meet your peers from around the state, get jazzed, find out what's happening around the state, take home some lessons learned, um, go home a better advocate than, than you arrived. Um, and you're also here for us, for which we're grateful. The, the California Bicycle has a, a very proud history. I want to take a few minutes and tell you about that today, and then talk about the future a little bit and, and why. Uh, the next couple of days are so important for that. So this is an organization that has accomplished quite a bit in the state capitol, in Sacramento, and around the state. By now, we're all safe routes to school experts. Well, it was, it was only in 1999 that uh, the CDC was approached with the idea of co-sponsoring legislation that became really the, America's uh, first ever significant infrastructure investments in safe routes to school. After that legislation passed, the state started spending 20 or 25 million dollars per year on those sidewalks and bike trails and other infrastructure, to make it easier for kids to get to school. 
And then our dear friends in Marin County, Wendy uh, Kells, I think, is in the room, and, and Deb Hubsmith and others uh, ran with that idea and launched this uh, you know, massive education effort in Marin County and took it national and, and uh, uh, with allies helped create this national Safe Roots of School program. But make no mistake, CBC was at the very beginning of the program that really served as the primary template for what became a $600 million Safe Roots of School program. We're also one of the few states that uses a sliver of its gas tax money for bike projects. So when you can buy some gas at the pump, a little of it goes to make the road safer uh, for people who bicycle via something called the Bicycle Transportation Account. And CBC created that and has extended that legislation and that program. And taken together over the last 12 years, we've now seen just the state Safe Routes to School money and that Bicycle Transportation Account total roughly $300 million worth of bike lanes, trails, and sidewalks, making California communities better places for active transportation. So, um, the organization has had its ups and downs, and a little over a year ago, uh, a core group got together and expressed its dissatisfaction at the state of the organization, and we came up with this idea to really kick things into a higher gear again. And so we called it the relaunch. We called it the relaunch. And I'm here to uh, <coughs> share some of the results of that relaunch. Um, in short, it's safe to say that the, the CBC rocket ship uh, has ignited. We have achieved liftoff. And we are close to uh, attaining a sustainable orbit. And uh, what, what, it, what does that mean? Well, it means that, for example, we, we brought on our first uh, full-time highly professional executive director in many years. Dave Snyder in the room here? There he is. Okay, stand up. Dave, Dave Snyder, along with our, our communications director, Jim Brown, have really just uh, formed an outstanding team for us in Sacramento in uh, you know, advancing legislation, getting the word out around the state about what's happening. We've, we've got a reinvigorated board of directors. Uh, Dave and the board together have really professionalized our operations. Everything from budgeting to our bylaws to all the fun stuff that goes along with uh, running a nonprofit organization. We really do uh, have our house uh, pretty much in order at this point. We're really pleased. It really puts us in a good position to go forward. Um, we had a great year at the Capitol this year. 2011 is the best year we've had in a long time. I'll give you a couple of highlights. You might have heard about this three-foot passing bill. Um, didn't get signed, but but um, it, it was it was a, a fabulous and successful endeavor for us in terms of reestablishing our presence at the Capitol. We visited all 120 Assembly and Senate offices. We met with the governor's staff. We met with the CHP, the AAA, the Caltrans, etc., etc., etc. And we are once again a presence in the Capitol because of that three-foot bill. And obviously, folks heard about it. it Gave us a little bit of a, a uh, some branding, et cetera, around the state. Didn't get signed. We'll, we'll, we'll likely come back with another crack at it. Of course, that's why you're here to tell us what we should be doing in the future. We we had a a, a real victory. I, I want to tell you that while the three foot bill was our most prominent piece of legislation over the past year, I want to tell you about a, a quiet but important victory that is going to pay dividends for this movement for the next 20 years. I and I won't bore you with too many uh, acronyms. But there's, it, there's been a, for 60 years, there's been a committee that advises Caltrans on you know, 
how, what kind of roadway signs we should have. Um, how should traffic signals work? What sort of roadway marking should we have? For 60 years, it's been AAA and CHP and others and some, some local traffic, you know, traffic transportation engineers that have ruled that committee. But well, we had a bill that would have put two new members on that committee to represent the interest of a non-motorized transportation community. And, and Dave and, and our Jim and our consultant team did a fabulous job moving that bill. That bill was on the verge of success when we took the bill out. We did that because Caltrans saw the light. They saw what was coming. They saw a signature coming on that bill. And they offered to implement the bill without the bill. That is a victory. They saw the light. They said, we're going to implement these changes on our own. They can claim credit for it now. That's fine. But, we, but they are undergoing a process right now. People, highly qualified people, traffic engineers who are friendly, the people we, many people we know and love, friendly to walking and biking, have applied for that position. They've got numerous applications. And by, by January of this coming year, we're going to have people who think the way we do, actually offering official input in Caltrans on these on these uh, uh, facilities and such. That's not a that's not a you know explosion of a victory. I understand it's not the sexiest thing, but it is going. We are now in place to you know to do what you know, Ryan Snyder, LA Transportation Planner, many of you know, talks about getting in the DNA of how transportation is done, and that's what we're doing with this bill. We're gonna we're gonna start to rewrite the rules about how we do our transportation system. So, thank you for your support on that one. So, we um, have had a successful relaunch. We actually, I want to say as well, we met our financial numbers here. I want to be clear, we're, we're, you know, don't have any extra money. But we met our budget for the year, and we're very, very pleased with that, and, and with very good prospects for 2012 and beyond. I want to make that clear to folks. And that's been in no, due to no small part to the support of so many people who have, who have helped us this past year. The bike industry has stepped up in a way we've never seen before. Entities such as Shimano and SRAM and Dahan and Trek and Turn and Specialized and uh, more than I can remember, Bikes Belong, um, more than I can remember have stepped up, stepped up with serious contributions, you know, major four and five figure contributions to the organization for which we're very, very grateful. We've had house parties around the state. Anybody attend a house party this past year for CBC? A few of you. We had uh, half a dozen or more, eight or nine good house parties around the state. Very successful. And uh, perhaps most importantly, I, I hope I'm not uh, assuming too much, and I think this organization over the past year has regained the trust of the larger community that we serve. We are now working more cooperatively with local coalitions than we have in many, many years. And really here today in part, to, to, to do to figure out how we're going to play together going forward. So to sum up, um, we are now prepared to launch a process by which in September of next year, 2012, at the National Pro Walk Pro Bike Conference, which will be taking place in Long Beach. At that time, we are going to announce a five-year strategic plan for the California Bicycle Coalition and we, what we hope is an integrated statewide movement with the CBC and its local ally friends, local coalition friends, working together in common cause towards a bicycle-friendly California. Your presence today is uh, very significant as part of that process because we want to hear from you about what it is we should be doing as a statewide movement in Sacramento, programmatically around the state. So I thank you very, very much for being here today. We're going to exit this, uh, this conference a couple of days from now. 
better educated about bike advocacy and ready to move forward together as a statewide movement. With that, it is my uh, great pleasure to introduce our next speaker. Hey, it's your show. Uh, uh, I just want to let people know so they don't freak out when they walk outside and they don't see their bikes for logistical reasons. They're moving all of the bikes into the room right adjacent. Uh, so we'll take care of Be a little bummed, but uh, it's all right. Uh, that, that was a worthwhile interruption. Thank you. Um, I uh, um, let me say one more thing before I interrupt, interrupt Jeff. Introduce Jeff. <laughs> I'm the one who got interrupted. I'm, I'm introducing, not interrupting. Um, we got a work cut out for us. You know. I, Governor's Brown, Governor Brown's veto of our three-foot bill caught us a little bit by surprise. I, I don't think Governor Brown is anti-bicycle. I think he got some bad advice, and I think he chose to follow it. He needs to be held accountable for that. Um, we're going to come back at him, likely with a three-foot bill. Again, that's in large part up to you and what you instruct us to do these next couple of days. I suspect with some bigger things, we're going to come back at him as well. Um, he's going to be tested around that veto and his support for the, uh, the, the kinds of uh, environmental policies for which he has been a well-deserved, recognized national, international leader for so many years. We, we need to, we have some work to do convincing him that bicycling is, is a part of that. We're also getting some news out of Washington, which is a bit discouraging. So every uh, five or six years, the federal government passes a big transportation bill. You know, Carl Sagan type numbers, billions and billions. Um, we've had some successes with that federal program over the years. Much of the money that your, your regions, your cities end up using for bike paths and bike trails has its root source in a, a sliver of the federal transportation pie we've achieved over the years. We're getting some news about uh, a, a version of a new bill emerging from the Senate via a committee chaired by our own Barbara Boxer, which is not good in terms of the way that the uh, bicycling and pedestrian programs that have been so important for the, the building of this movement are being treated under, under this proposal. Um, what, what we're seeing is, is, is not really acceptable to the, I suspect, the walking and bison community. That's something we're going to have to consider today. This is sort of breaking news in the last 24 hours. And so um, that's something for all of you to consider today. You know, how, how important, I want you to learn a little bit about how important these federal programs are. You know, over the course of the next day or two, I want you to consider, you know, how much of CDC's resources might be devoted over 2012 to protecting those programs versus um, efforts at the state capitol. We have to make some difficult choices. We can't yet do it all. So I want to plant those seeds with you while I'm up here as well. Our next speaker is someone with whom I've had the, the great pleasure of uh, sharing long bike rides and numerous bike advocacy adventures. He really is one of our, our most treasured assets within the bicycling movement. Um, in brief, uh, Jeff Miller has managed, among many other things, to bicycle around the world, to make the Maine Bicycle Coalition one of the truly model state-level bicycle organizations really over the past 20 years in this country. And in recent years, 
has ascended to the executive directorship of the Alliance for Biking and Walking, the National Alliance of more than 100 organizations that are working at the state and local levels to advance walking and bison. It, it is our great privilege to have Jeff here today. Now, I want to say that uh, Jeff has overcome many obstacles in life, including uh, just an innately uh, uh, very shy personality. So I, I, what, I, what I do believe, though, is that if we give him a, a warm enough welcome, we stand a chance of drawing him out of his shell and, and having him provide us with the sort of energetic boost that might launch this event into a, a very successful uh, conclusion. So with that, it's my great pleasure to introduce to you the Executive Director of the Alliance for Biking and Walking, the one and only Jeffrey Dillon. Well, we, we only have a few minutes here. We're going to hear from Jeff. Uh, we, here, let me see how long this is. It's, it's about a good half hour. We're, we're going to play a couple minutes there as just a highlight for it. Uh, Jeff had some interesting numbers here. Uh, it's and in fact we I call the segment by the numbers. Uh, we'll we'll try to get to it. Part of it tonight on talk is still cheap and uh, maybe we'll play a little bit of it now until we we get out of here. We're we're just looking at some of the feeds coming out of the occupied uh, Wall Street movement here, and uh, just uh, some of the commentary and stuff. So uh, that being said, bike bike talk is I guess a proponent of. Occupying the studio here, would you say that, uh, Nick? Yeah, I'm I'm occupying this chair. There you go. It's you know, occupied is getting thrown around. Maybe, maybe I occupy the streets when I'm bicycling. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about you know claiming your space. Ah, well, there you go. I, I thought it was also about you know if you're doing something right getting uh notice for it or or vice versa if you're doing something wrong then then calling that out and that's mm. that's what a lot of the movement is so i think we've had a good show uh <coughs> is there anything else that you wanted to do before we uh well i just want to remind people of the coming up in a couple of weeks is the bike toy ride we heard uh where it is and what it was and we we want to thank jesse and alice for calling in with their wishes about uh the three feet uh or uh their three wishes about how to improve cycling here in the los angeles metropolitan area three is a very and, and number on bike yes today. three three isn't a lonely number right isn't it one was that one is a lonely song? number one is long we're not but, talking about but what we're trying to get to is the fact that uh bicycling is uh or cycling is is a way to uh improve not only your health but uh find different ways to use it as a transportation kind of alternative to the automobile and the tailpipe that's out there all right you knew that you knew where i was going with that <laughs> how about a minute or two of uh just i just need another more minute of the bike summit all right here you go <laughs> Jeff. thank you i'm just going to take this microphone here with me and uh, hide behind the podium. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm rarely I'm accused of being shy, and, uh, and 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 microphones are typically weapons for me because my voice tends to be loud enough. But um, thank you all for coming out, and congratulations for being here. Uh, it, it's a huge step. I know a lot of you do a ton of work in your communities, 
And, um, and, and sometimes we all feel like we're in too many bloody meetings, uh, but it is very much my hope that over the next uh, uh, three days, um, that all of you are going to gain some really good insights. Uh, you're going to learn a little bit how not to reinvent the wheel. You're going to learn what's really working in other communities. You're going to get an idea of what's happening on a statewide level, what's happening on a national level, and uh, to really leverage your passion, your experience, your commitment to this movement uh, to really help us uh, transform and, and help grow our, our people-powered movement. So um, uh, the, the Alliance, uh, I'm just going to give you a, a quick little bit and, and, and share a few things here. Um, the Alliance is a coalition of 185 uh, bicycle and pedestrian advocacy organizations. We have some walking only organizations. We have some biking only organizations. We have a few organizations like uh, the Active Transportation Alliance and Transportation Alternatives who also um, uh, advocate for transit. So um, uh, we're a number of organizations, but the common thread is that these are all local and statewide organizations. Uh, many of them are volunteer based, like some of your organizations. Uh, a number of them are staffed, and that's one of the things that um, sort of helped bring the alliance together about 15 years ago was a bunch of our organizations have been getting trainings from, uh, from Charlie Gandy, who's here in the front row, and he, he convened us at a ranch uh, out in Wyoming, the Thunderhead Ranch, which is where our name, the Thunderhead Alliance, came from for many, many years. And, and it was a chance, it was the first chance for a lot of us to meet for the first time. Uh, Randy Neufeld, who's staying in the back of the, the room here, uh, was the most veteran bicycle advocate in the entire movement. He'd been on the job for eight whole years, and he was an absolute god to most of us, including some of us who had been a paid executive director for an entire three days uh, before getting to this ranch. And, um, and, and, and we realized that there was so much shared experience uh, and that we were facing the common problems, whether we were large rural states like Maine or big urban areas like San Francisco, Washington, D.C., uh, New York. So, um, so we've really been working to, uh, to, to share and, and, and grow this movement. So when we first got together in 1996, 15 years ago, there were 12 organizations. We had a full-time equivalent of 10 staff. Uh, and our budgets collectively were under a million. Um, uh, today, that, that, that top line there is, is showing the full-time equivalent of over 300 staff amongst our 185 organizations. Collectively, we have over $30 million in budget and, and uh, many hundreds of thousands of members. So we really are a power and a force uh, to be dealt with. Um, I'm going to shoot a bunch of numbers at you guys, and, and this is somewhat to, to share tools and um, and, and share ideas. So 50 million, it's a big number. It's a number of people who bicycle in this country. And collectively they add up to about 4 billion trips around the United States. Um, we, we make up bicycling and walking together make up 11.5% of all trips in this country. And, and sadly we also make up about 13.5% of the fatalities. So it's a little disproportionate there, especially when we look at, um, at the amount of funding we get. Now, there's been a lot of talk in the last uh, couple of months from, uh, from a couple of senators about 10% uh, of all transportation funds are pulled away from important highway projects and bridges uh, in order to uh, uh, you know, pay for transportation enhancements. And, and we really wish it was 10%. It ought to be 10%. It's 1.6% of all federal funding that goes to bicycling and walking. So when we look at those numbers of 11.5% of all trips, 13.5% of all fatalities, and we're getting a measly little slice of the pie here. Um, it adds up to about $2.17 per person. So 
Um, all our tax dollars, the thousands of dollars each of us put in, we get a couple bucks uh, on an annual basis. And, and there's the funding picture from transportation. And remember that on the federal scale, the transportation budget makes up less than 1% of the entire federal government. Okay? You know, defense, we all know, is like 60%. Transportation is 1%. And within that 1%, we're getting 1.6%. So we are not the solution to fixing bridges that are crumbling because we're barely going to pay for uh, the railings on the bridges. Now, if we, look at, if we look at some of the other numbers of what transportation enhancements has made possible, we're getting 3,000 projects per year um, uh, in all 50 states, we're seeing these, and they are creating some 8,400 jobs. So jobs and safety should be two of the key messages we really hone in on. It's nice to talk about the environment, it's nice to talk about health, and we, all, we want to cater to our audiences. You know, certainly quality of life is a key thing to all of us, but right now jobs, and safety are some of the key pieces we want to focus in on. Now, we could spend that money on highways and we would get 15 miles of this kind of stuff, which I think many of us can argue we might have enough of already. He's pointing at 15 miles of freeway. We're going to pause it here and uh, say goodbye to... Uh, you, can, you can kill it. Say, say goodbye to you now, but we're going to keep the audio running. And then uh, uh, play some of this next week for you on Bike Talk. Okay, Nick. Okay. Talk to you soon. Do you want to... Fifteen miles of that, or do we want the thousands of projects all across the country? And transportation enhancements does go to a lot of things. Uh, the largest piece of it does go to bicycling and walking. And, uh, um, uh, and, and, and this is uh, the funding chart of all the other sources of funding. One of the things that the Alliance has been working on with the, uh, the League of American uh, Bicyclists is on our advocacy advanced partnership. So with funding from SRAM, we've been able to do a number of things. Uh, one of which is to give grants to, to good local organizations. Uh, California Bicycle Coalition got one about a year ago from us. Um, uh, we're also doing a lot of research to uh, highlight other sources of funding, and, and so here we see.